This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm John Champion, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time, over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcast.roddenberry.com for you to choose from science, feminism, even daily news, and all stops in between. Boldly go and find us. When you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcast.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Welcome to Half Measures, the weekly podcast where we let you know what you should be watching all the way from the world's coolest little capital here in Wellington, New Zealand. This is episode 52, and if you're a fan of Yellowstone, then you'll understand when I say that I'm joined in the studio by a man many consider to be the John Dutton of Wellington City. It's Dan Whiting. Kia Dan. I would absolutely love to be the John Dutton of the city. It's got a, I was going to say, like, you know, imagine if all of Wellington was mined, but I feel like in New Zealand, we shouldn't really talk about land in that way because, you know, we're, it's, it's complicated. Um, but yeah, look, I'd love to be John Dutton. Um, in fact, I'd love to be any one of those Yellowstone characters. I'd even love just to be Rip, you know, uh, they're sorting out problems. Even, you know, Casey, the heir to the, the, the heir to the ranch, be awesome. It'd be great. You know, people won't know this, but we're late recording tonight because, I had a bit of a laughing fit when just before recording, Dan put on his his cowboy hat. And I'll tell you what, with the cap and the headphones and the cowboy hat, you were a genuine suburban John Dutton. It's great. You can never have too many hats, Paul. And, you know, there's hats for different occasions. And it's important if you own a cowboy hat to also wear that cowboy hat while watching Yellowstone. It really enhances the whole experience. And it really goes with our whole studio here as well. Our studio, the the, the ranch theme studio. <laughs> Don't ruin the illusion. Don't let people in behind the curtain. It's bad enough that I have to see you in your dressing gown with a carrot hanging out your mouth like some cigar. You know. Anyway, uh, should we should we get into uh, the the normal content then? And would you mind telling our listeners what you've been watching this week? I would love to tell everyone what I've been watching. So much to everyone's shock horror, I'm still progressing on with Yellowstone. Uh, I'm on the final season, uh, and I think I might have been on the final season last week, but I am very intentionally taking it very slow. I am about halfway through the season, uh, so about four episodes to go, and I'm not ready for it to end, so I'm kind of just really dragging my feet, sort of thinking, oh, I'll watch an episode here, an episode there, um, but absolutely still loving Yellowstone. such a great series. Definitely going to be one that I'm going to rewatch. Definitely excited for season four. Definitely excited for the prequel. Um, and look, it just keeps keeps on delivering, and it's really sort of sparking that uh, that Western hype for me. You know how like when I watched the oh what was I, was I watching? No, I was playing uh, 
uh, Ghost of Tsushima, the um, mm. the game in Japan, the, the samurai game, and I got all hyped on samurais. Well, right now, Paul, I'm more hyped on cowboys, and that's what I'm all about. I noticed that even just the way you're walking now, there's there's like that sort of cowboy walk going on. It's uh, everything's changed. Well, I you know I um, own uh, motorbikes, but I, I no longer own them. I, I've traded them in for horses because you know that's a far better way to get around. Well, you make sure you keep your your horses on your land because if they cross over to where I live, they they become mine. That's how it works, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed. So yeah, that's sort of my main watch. Um, I've also been watching um, Your Honor, which I know that we're going to talk about together shortly. So uh, what else have I watched? Oh, we've started a new TV series. Um, both Samara and I, a TV series called Billions. I don't know if you've heard of this one. So um, this is, it's actually pretty, pretty like oldish now. It's still going. So it started in 2016. Uh, it stars uh, Damien Lewis, who may, you may remember from uh, Homeland mm-hmm. or Band of Brothers. And it's a show that's kind of been on our, our watch list for quite a while. And just with all of the things that we've been watching around um, the big short, the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, everything going on with the, the stock market at the moment. Billions is really kind of like, it felt like the right time to start watching it. We're only, we've only watched one episode, but already it's one of those shows, like it's a Showtime show. You know, we've put it on, absolutely hooked in from the first from the first one. There's, there's five seasons out of it. So it's looking like that might be our, our jam for a little while. Is this a show that you've come across before, Paul? Yeah, funnily enough, we actually watched the first, two episodes and i can't remember what happened something else came along that took our fancy and we never went back i remember thinking it was you know good production values good quality you know damien lewis you can't go wrong but um so i'm curious to see because i've seen how you watch things you know like the shield so by by next week you should have had all five seasons finished i'm curious to think you know hear what you have to say about it see if i should go go back and give it a go it's um I've got to admit it is quite hard watching um Damien Lewis and not thinking about him in mm. his role in Homeland and look obviously I'm only one episode in but I definitely get the the real sense of um he's a bit more of a, ba- a bad guy in this show and I can't help and they're also sort of referencing nine eleven and I can't help but look at him and, and, and think of everything to do with with Homeland um look I, and I'll probably be watching this a little bit slower because I'm watching it with Samara and she's got um much much better sort of social etiquette around bedtime and you know not sort of uh, making herself too tired by watching watching tv so it'll probably be a bit of a slow watch but i'll definitely keep you posted on how that one goes i'm looking forward to hearing it because um, i think uh you're, you're right when you talk about damien lewis you think of, of Brody, and i do every time i see him i think of Brody. but the one time i don't is band of brothers for some reason i can disassociate him in that but everything else Everything else, he's he's Brody, and so this is um, this is on Neon, is that right, Dan? Is on is on Neon, and so yeah, they've got all five seasons. It looks like it's been renewed for a season six as well, which is um, I think in development at the moment. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of content, and so I think there's about twelve episodes per season. They're about an hour each, so they're they're good meaty episodes. Um, so we'll probably end up watching this along with you know one or two other things because it's it's probably going to be pretty pretty full on, but already from the first episode it's got lots of great twists and turns so Mm. 
And then I've watched the the weekly episode of WandaVision. So another fantastic episode of WandaVision. Uh, That was episode six, I believe. So we've got three episodes to go. And so I think what's really interesting is I saw some news actually that episodes seven, eight, and nine are going to be roughly an hour long each, which when you sort of think about that in movie context, that's that's a lot of time to sort of like, finish off the story and round it out. And this was a, another fantastic episode of WandaVision. I, I can't sort of um, rave about it enough. I, I saw an article today that actually said it's it's one of the most wa- most watched TV shows um, right now. And so there's obviously a lot of people getting into it. Uh, without sort of going too deep into sort of spoilers and what's happening, they are starting to sort of make some really cool connections to the, the mutant universe, so things like X-Men and stuff. Um, but Really loving it. Excited to see where it's heading next. Um, every episode is just sort of a, a joy to watch. And it's it's great having um, a fantastic weekly show like this. It's it's it, I'm running out of things I can say because I'm not watching it. And I just feel like sooner or later I'm going to have to get amongst it. We we are still waiting, Dan, on that list you're going to send through. I just, just made a note there to the producer just to remind you to, to get that list of films that I need to watch, remember? But uh, as soon as that comes through... That'd be great. <laughs> I'll get I'll get right on it. I actually I I have put some thought into it, and I do keep humming and hiring about how how many recommendations I want to make to you because these there's sort of personal choices in there, which I think, you know, you could easily skip over, but then there's some real core story movies. So I might give you a list with a couple of different options. Like maybe if you're, if you're kind of just interested in getting the base story and you want to skip some of the, you know, some of the other components, or if you really sort of want to, you don't want to watch everything, but you want to go a bit deeper. So I might give you a sort of an AB option um, Mm. on that list. I look forward to it. And apart from your honor, that is me for this week. How about you, Paul? What have you been watching? So a movie called Downhill uh, was one of the things I watched this week, a movie on available on Neon here in New Zealand. When I saw the poster for this, I basically saw Elaine from Seinfeld meets Will Ferrell from, well, I don't know, just about anything Will Ferrell's been in, right? Steve both, Brothers, Anchorman. It's, he's Will Ferrell all the time. He, and, and they're stood in snow, get on a mountain. So I was expecting this to be just you know a real funny movie in 90 minutes but it's it's not an out and out comedy per se which made it even more intriguing it turns out this is about a husband and wife who take their kids on a skiing holiday and then really early into the movie their resort gets hit by an avalanche and um you know there's the there's the the, the fallout from that and in in some respects this movie is actually more of a drama than a comedy and not just based on this, but based on many movies I've seen like this, I find that these are two genres that don't always combine well. And in this case, I don't think they really did. And when the heart of this story, you know, is about this dad who who basically runs away from his family when he sees an avalanche heading towards them, it's pretty hard to, you know, it's pretty hard to find things that funny after that, particularly when so much of the film is about how his wife and kids feel about what's just happened. So, um, yeah, it was it was interesting. If anything, the weak link probably is Will Ferrell because he's hilarious. But in this role, with this particular scenario and this type of character they wrote for him, it just it just didn't work. And the more serious those scenarios became, the more out of place Will Ferrell looked. And to be to be fair, I don't know who could have played that role and come out of it well. But um, yeah, it was it was a bit of a fizzer, which was a shame. 
it's interesting, eh? Because like, I'm obviously I'm a big Will Ferrell fan. I you know love movies like Step Brothers and Anchorman, and but I also know the limitations of Will Ferrell and where I like to watch him and where I don't like to watch him. And I think a movie like this always sort of instantly sends a red flag to me because I'm used to kind of clowny, cheesy, yeah. you know, kind of schoolboy humour. And I know that it's always a bit kind of awkward when you see him in these types of movies and, and that humour doesn't always play out very well. So I I often find myself kind of taking a, a wide berth around these movies unless I get a lot, a lot of recommendations from other people. Yeah, it's not, not one that I would be recommending. I've noticed just having a look now, it scores relatively low online as well from most places. I d- like I did find myself laughing sometimes but mainly just for for some of the things with their kids like they've got the, they've got their kids at this really expensive ski resort with all the expensive gear and they're there at the top of the, the best mountain on a most beautiful day and their kids are like they just want to go back to the hotel and watch their ipads you know just just stuff like that or when or when yeah their family at this really picturesque picturesque spot and they, they're they trying to get someone to take a photo with the beautiful blue sky mountains and and the kids won't smile just just stuff like that crap me up um and then there was the awkwardness. They had this one guy from work. I mean, imagine the awkwardness of having someone from your your work at the same resort as you. But, you know, those things alone, they weren't enough to carry this one. So it was a bit of a, a fizzer. I'm giving that one two guns on the now world-famous in New Zealand guns akimbo scale. Um, yeah. It's in the, look, you know, I think this is the problem with the four gun scale is even two guns isn't that bad, right? Like it's kind of a, it's a 50 50, you know. It, maybe there needs to be five guns. I don't know. This, let's not get into the Akimbo scale. It's, it, it's its own beast. It is. It is. Maybe we get in touch with the producers of that movie to find out how the scale should work. Um, but yeah, other than that movie, Dan, as you, like you, I've also finished Your Honor, which we're going to talk about in a, in a little bit. I've also started a, a show called The Alienist, um, which is on Netflix. I might talk about that next week if we finish the first season. And also, Dan, I've started Yellowstone. Yeehaw. You're a cowboy now. You're a rancher. Welcome. Do you wear the brand? <laughs> no, no, I don't wear the. Do I wear the brand? Oh wow! There's a whole shop of. I've, I've been looking on the website and their social media. There's a whole bunch of stuff these guys sell. It's a real thing, right? You not only do you wear the brand, Paul, you have to live live up to the brand. That's what's important. Let's see if I'm holding these values with you. Maybe I, I don't know. I'm hopeful. Maybe we we could do a season one review uh, next week if that suits you, partner. Yeah, look, I, I look any chance to talk about Yellowstone, I'm I'm going to be all over it. So, I, I look forward to that conversation. Um, other than that, uh, this week I've actually switched from from watching uh, to to reading, and I've read a, a Star Wars novel, and I'm pretty keen to talk a little bit about this on the podcast. If you want to come over and join me in my in my book corner, as I give you my thoughts on the novel. Dooku, Jedi Lost. Uh, and this this is a story written by a guy called Kavan Scott. And in a nutshell, this is all about how Count Dooku's life got turned upside down when his Jedi abilities, <laughs> I'm not going to go there, are, are recognized. Um, and he's taken away from his home to be to be trained by Yoda. And But unbeknownst to Yoda and the Jedi Council, Dooku is secretly keeping in contact with his birth family. Uh, that the Jedi took him from. And as you know, Dan, that's forbidden. 
and his fear for what happens to his family leads to anger and that anger leads to hate and you know where that goes right so the ducks it, it takes a village to raise a child paul you know it's you know he, he probably needed this whole final random to to keep him supported and, and connected correct correct um and it's actually his connection to the whanau that in many ways shapes his eventual path through to to the dark side so this is this is the first ever star wars novel to be published as a script book which was quite unique i feel like i haven't read one of those since i was at school and it's it's really true to uh, a script in that it it comes published with a uh i'm not sure how you pronounce this the the dramatis persona persona something like that. um that's at the front of the book where it lists all of the main characters that appear just as you would if you're having like a theater script or a drama play or, or something like that and the reason it's published like that is because it's because so normally when someone writes a book you get the audiobook version later on but in this case dooku jedi lost is actually written as an audio drama and it was first published as an audio book with a with a full cast so this is the publication of the script after the audio and i i absolutely loved it they haven't done any others yet i had a, a look uh, yesterday but um i will definitely be interested if they do in the future and there is a lot of really cool story acts that take place in this novel so if you if you're a fan of star wars if you're a fan of the prequels um, we we get several decades of Dooku's life. Um, you get to see him as as a young uh, Padawan to Yoda. We get to see him as a teenager with uh, his friendship with uh, the Jedi Sifo-Dyas, who of course was you know the Jedi who went to Kamino and got them to create all the clones of Timura Morrison. And and then we we get to see him as a Jedi Master uh, to Qui Gon. Um, which we knew about based on that one little line of dialogue between Dooku and Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones. So it's great to be able to dive into that. So this was a really enjoyable uh, book about a character who realistically we haven't seen much of outside of the the animated series and the the prequels. It looks um, and sounds really interesting. I think um, Dooku is one of those characters who, I think you're right, if you've seen the the Clone Wars, then you you sort of get a, a bit of a deeper look into his character. But I think a book's a really great place to explore his journey a bit more and get a bit more context around um, the role that he played in the Star Wars universe, particularly, you know, when you think about, you know, his interactions with Yoda, his interactions mm-hmm. with Qui-Gon. Like, it's, these are some pretty major characters in the universe, so it's good. Yeah, the Yoda scenes were really good, actually. It really gives you some great insight about the realities and practicalities of what it would be like to be trained by Yoda. And as cool as it might sound, it might actually be really quite hard and quite frustrating having this little green guy teaching you. And I find that the Jedi are really quite a frustrating bunch. Like they have these codes that they live by, and I think it would be really hard to stick to them all. And it amazes me that anyone gets through, and I'm now talking about it like it's a real thing. But, but honestly, if you're a big fan of the Jedi, reading this book will... I think give you good insight into how much um, you know you have to sacrifice, and uh, you know how much you sort of fear losing it because you don't want to get kicked out uh, and told, "Well, if, if that's how you think, then you don't belong." But no, Dooku, great character, to explore some great humour as well uh, in sort of keeping with Dooku's dry delivery of some of his lines. Um, the 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 drama in your in your mind is narrated for you by Asajj Ventress, his his apprentice as a Sith. And, um, yeah, I sort of kept imagining when he was a youngster, I imagined sort of Christopher Lee in those early Dracula movies when he's sort of playing a younger Dooku. Um, but, he, but reading it and hearing Christopher Lee's voice 
in my head so clearly. It was just great. And the, in particular, his scenes with Qui-Gon and sort of having him and Liam Neeson go back and forth in my mind was, I think that's why I'm obsessed with books based on characters in the Star Wars universe. I just sort of love diving a bit deeper into each of them. This was probably probably a top five Star Wars canon novel for me out of the 37 that are sitting on the shelf behind me over there. Well, that, that's a, a rave review, and I think you're right. As soon as you you know, talk about Dooku, I instantly hear Christopher Lee's voice. So I, I think you're spot on with that, and I think it, 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 there's something really pleasing about having a voice that you can associate with a character as opposed to learning about a character and then having the voice matched up. It's, uh, it's quite a different experience. And yeah, that's that is Book Corner, and that is me this week, Dan. So, um, shall we shall we dive into Your Honor? Because that's been a show that I uh, I started watching a wee while ago, and now you've you've binged it all, and we both finished the last episode this week, right? Correct. Okay, so so this one. Uh, again, if you're in New Zealand, it's available on on Neon, the streaming platform here. It's about a judge whose son is involved in a hit and run, uh, and the the hit and run is with the son of a a mafia crime boss, uh, crime boss, you know, gangster guy. He's the one who gets killed, and and really, this whole thing is about, I guess, finding out how far a father will go to save his own son life, sort of knowing that. If the gangster finds out that it was his, you know, your son that's killed his son, your son's, he's gone, he's toast. And that's the, that's the tension of this movie, uh, sorry, this series. What did you think, Dan? What do you reckon? Well, I, I guess um, before we jump too into it, we are going to really go into some sort of key plot points here. So if you haven't seen Your Honor yet and Good point. Uh, you still want to watch it, then have a look at the time codes in the show notes and maybe jump forward 10 minutes. Um, look, I... You know, I came into this with a lot of people recommending it to me. Like you were, you were one of those people, Paul, and I saved it up intentionally because I thought, oh, you know what, I want to, I want to sort of be able to really enjoy this when it when it's all out. I found, like overall, I think it was a great series. I did. There was a couple of sort of things that were a little bit niggly for me. So, um, one thing I find a little bit frustrating in a in a TV show is when a whole series of events keep playing out in a, in a tragic way. And you can kind of say, oh, God, oh, God, that's gonna, oh, God, of course that's going to happen. Oh, and it's kind of like it becomes a, a little bit painful. And I think I, I found a little bit of that in the beginning. And then I found probably a few of the episodes um, didn't necessarily progress the story as far as I maybe thought it would have. And I wonder whether at, at times whether this could have been a an eight episode series um, as as opposed to ten. But I think look overall, I think you know Brian Cranston is you know he's he's the guy, he's the man. Like we love him. He's such a fantastic actor, and he he once again brings us all to this role. There's elements of Walter White in this role for me, yeah. where you kind of see um, uh, an everyday guy kind of. I think you mentioned like pushed to his limits and really challenged. It's I thought it was really interesting the way the story eventually all played out and just how, you know, this is a real series of unfortunate events that just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And seeing that play out was frustrating, but it was also a good story at the same time. And I think there's a there's a fantastic supporting cast around this as well. 
Um, and, and there's some great one-liners of dialogue in this show as well. What did you think? Yeah, uh, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, it, it's, it is so great to see Brian Cranston in something else, you know, because he's always been Walter White to me. So this was awesome to see him taking on this this new character. And like you, there is much about him that is like Walter White playing that character who wants to do good for his family. But, you know, it goes when, once you tell that first lie, you go down a, a dark and dangerous path in order to do what, what you think is right. And I, I really enjoyed the dilemma of where did I sit on the, what would I do? Uh, how far would I go type that sort of um, sort of narrative the whole way through? I thought it was really tense. I thought it was really stressful. I thought the, the final episode was very, very stressful in the, in the, in the closing moments. Uh, it's interesting. Um, some of the, the feedback about the final episode is there was quite a lot of disappointment from from fans at that. Um, I personally was fine with the ending, but not everyone was. And looking at the ratings now, I, I see that it has the lowest rating of all 10 episodes, that final episode, which often tells a bit of a story. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I think seeing Cranston play a, a high court judge, I think he really owns that role. Like you said, he's just a, a great actor. Um, I found the writing a real good, good quality, um, and there were several several different ways that that ending could have gone. And if you'd written down ten of them, and this was one of them, I dare say that I would probably not have chosen this ending that they they went with, which I myself found quite refreshing because it was very un Hollywood. I think, in a way, I, I haven't read any reviews or looked at anything online about um, anyone's sort of thoughts or feelings about it. But it kind of, to me, had like a almost like a little bit of a Romeo-Juliet type of vibe to the story of sort of the this um, this kind of love between, I guess, the, the um, Fair and Adam as sort of the, the two young characters. And it's sort of like not been meant to be the fact that, you know, the, the continuous kind of like, um, push against these two families, like, or actually, there's almost kind of like three different sort of families. There's obviously mm. um, Brian Cranston sort of like role as a, as a judge in the judicial system, um, and then there's the the mafia family, and then there's um, the, the 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 streets basically, and the the gangs um, that kind of come up against them, and just sort of seeing how that that played out was really fascinating, and I did enjoy seeing. Uh, Brian Cranston's character really sort of squirm with some of those big decisions and you know being a judge you know there's so much that you can control and there's so much that you can't but just seeing him try to manage that try to sort of you know go back over sort of old ground to sort of tidy up sort of loose ends and it's still just never quite been good enough and then at the same time his his son ultimately going sort of going a bit rogue and kind of like undoing some of his good work and just almost how, how frustrating it would be as a as a father yeah. trying to trying to look out for your son and, and, and not being able to to really land that. Oh look that the the judge's son, Adam, I mean he, he wasn't the brightest for me. And like there were so many questionable things he did right up until the end. Like what, what's he even doing sitting in the courtroom? What and why isn't the judge saying the, the, please leave? <laughs> I, I found that really frustrating and I think so what was interesting about this show is obviously they bring in components of the pandemic and like, let's have some spacing and, you know, let's, uh, you know, people wearing masks and stuff like that. And I, I found it so bizarre 
that um, that Adam was allowed in the courtroom. Considering everything that was going on and how fragile his son was, I'm surprised he didn't put a, a stop to that straight away. But there was actually an episode where Brian Cranston says the only people allowed in this courtroom are immediate family mm. and blah, blah, blah. And why is his son just strolling in and out? Not to mention other lawyers and stuff. It, I think there were some moments like that where I was kind of like, what, what's going on here? Have I, have I misheard what the rules are or are they just kind of changing it to suit the show? Yeah, they were a little bit loose on some of those things. And as much as I credit the writing to being clever and, and stressful, there were just some basic things that just didn't make a lot of a lot of sense or relied on some real chance moments, like when they see him using his uh, asthma inhaler purely by chance, sort of connecting the dot. There was just, but hey, that's 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 fine. I overall, I enjoyed it for what it was. I think you're absolutely right. I think six episodes actually i reckon we could have done this in six i'd go even less than eight let alone ten um it's listed as season one on here i can only presume that's just because of the way they, they've listed it i'm thinking this is a standalone little series because it, it you know it's finished where it ends right um but uh, i enjoyed it i enjoyed it for what it was so uh be interesting to see what cranston's next project is I, I have heard that that this is a is a one off mini series as opposed to a, a series because I I think it would be if you were to do another season of it it would have to be a whole other story arc like maybe within within the city. Um, I thought the one thing that was actually you know talking about things that we find frustrating in stories and something that I talk about all the time, you know when people are passing you know cups of coffee or tea or water or whatever between each other and there's no liquid in it you know big shout out to uh you know the jimmy baxter character when they do the top down shot and there's actually some tea in his cup i was like yes finally there's some actual liquid in that cup i re- i really appreciated it i feel like that earns itself an extra gun on the guns akimbo scale just for that alone right yeah definitely look i think this is a this is a good watch i think it's um it is a little bit frustrating at times, but not necessarily because of um, you know acting or any or anything like that. I, I think it's just I think the type of story that it is is meant to frustrate you in a way. Mm. So I think you know even though we're kind of probably giving it a little bit of a hard time here, I think if you're looking for sort of a a, a one off watch, um, you know that that can be easily sort of finished over a week. This is this is still a good option for you. What I find fascinating is that the instant I saw that poster, and I'm just looking at it now with that close-up black and white photo of Brian Cranston's face looking really stressed out, that was it. It didn't matter what the synopsis was. I was watching it based on the strength of him alone. I'm just curious as to, and we'll never know the answer to this, but whether or not I would have been so keen to dive into this if it wasn't for Cranston leading the line. So uh, uh, that's a real I guess sort of tribute to, to how much I respect his acting ability. But um, look, I think clever writing, high production values, high tension, high stress, very brutal, hard hitting, very depressing. Um, it's, it's got all those great things. I, um, I've actually been to New Orleans a, a couple of times. And I think one thing I actually quite enjoyed that this was, this was set in New Orleans and kind of takes you through, um, you know, not only the, the tourist district, but sort of some of the, the wider, 
um, the wider parts of New Orleans. And it was actually really cool to kind of see all the places that you've been to in real life. And I remember um, it was a couple of years ago when I was in New Orleans and we were walking from our Airbnb into um, Bourbon Street. And there was this there's this church and there's this uh, whiteboard sign at the front of it saying how many murders have happened this year. And I remember looking at it at the time being like, this is crazy. Um, but when you kind of look at, you know, outside of the, the tourist view of a mm. – um, of, of somewhere like that, it, you're like you can kind of see see what it actually more looks like and more operates like outside of the the glitz and glamour of uh, being a tourist destination. So I, I think for for that reason alone, if you've if you've ever been to New Orleans, I, I think it's a it's a great watch because it really just adds a, another lens or layer to to that environment. All right, well, that is your honour on neon, and I guess Dan, that means. It's time for us to dive into this week's movie of the week. Indeed, it is. So every week, uh, Paul and I take turns choosing um, a, a movie of the week. Uh, if you would like to see what the movie is, then you can come and join us in our Discord channel where we publish it there normally every Monday so that you can watch it uh, before we talk about it uh, on the podcast. And so this week it was um, Paul's choice. And the movie that we ended up going with this week is Capone. So this is a 20, 2020 movie that came out starring uh, Tom Hardy. And so I'll just give you a brief synopsis of what this movie is all about. So a once ruthless businessman and bootlegger who ruled Chicago with an iron fist, Alfonso Capone, was the most infamous and feared gangster of American law. At the age of 47, following a, nearly a decade of imprisonment, dementia um, rots Alfonso's mind with his past becoming his present. Harrowing memories of his violent and brutal origins melt into his waking life as he spends his final year surrounded by family with the FBI lying in wait. Um, this alien, uh, alien, different movie, this alien uh, pa <laughs> patriarch struggles to place the memory of the location of millions of dollars he's hid away on his property. So this movie is um, not the standard Al Capone movie um, that that you would normally think of when you think Al Capone, you think mm. um, you think gangster, you think heist, you think um, you know mafia type stuff. This this really is about the, the final year of Al Capone's life, and he is a different man um, from what you've kind of probably been led to believe in millions of movies before this. Um, so this is a bit of a different take. Uh, Paul, what did you think of this one? I feel like I'm on a I'm on a real negative vibe this week, Dan. You know, I've just sort of given a bit of a dodgy review on 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 down downhill, and this one, I look, I thought this was a good movie in many respects, but it sort of lacked in terms of actual substance. I thought, you know, the way you just sort of summed up the synopsis, I thought it was an interesting story to tell to be to be able to see how even the most notorious mafia kingpin is. You know, it's basically powerless to the to the failings of, of a human body that's failing you, and you know this form of dementia that he has that's brought on by his uh, by syphilis is 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 crazy. But I guess I just wanted a bit more from it. Like I get how downhill he went, and I really got that from Tom Hardy's performance. I really did. I, I mean, he was really really good. But that was all I got for an hour and a half, and that for me wasn't enough. If that makes any sense. Yeah, look, I agree. I think, 
you know, Tom Hardy, you know, we, we talk about Brian, Brian Cranston being a legend. Tom Hardy is also a legend. He has had so many awesome roles. And you give him a role like this, particularly where there's an extra component of being, you know, dementia and all, you know, a, a once, uh, I use the word sort of air quotes, great man now sort of like on, on the last legs of his life. But I just struggled to see the purpose of this movie. And I think – you know, it really was kind of the so we're talking about the last year of his life. He's he's basically gone insane. The FBI believes he's got money potentially buried on the property or, or somewhere, you know, somewhere around America, and they're, they're trying to find out where it is. Um, Al Capone sort of he's got all these like horrific memories from some of the things he's been involved in, and we kind of just see him on this real kind of like horrible downward slope. Like, you know, he. Mm-hmm. You know, he he wets himself. He gets angry. He like he hits people. He he kills people. He does he does all these terrible things, but there wasn't enough of a thread of story there to really keep me interested. And I think, you know, you know, we're talking about Tom Hardy doing a, a great job here, but I almost feel like he maybe went too deep into it, right? Because he he just went so on on this kind of like messed up gangster and you know no one needs to understand me and I'm spitting and I'm slurring and I'm speaking Italian and I'm you know and it, again I just kind of like why like what, what were they trying to get across with this movie because I don't know whether it was a story that needed to be told yeah look I disagree that he went too deep I I, I really appreciated that out of it I felt that it was the other half of the story which wasn't being told that was missing uh, and I, I know Al Capone is, you know, is famous, and we've seen the pictures, and we've seen the Untouchables, and and all that. But I feel like within the context of this movie, I needed to see snippets of, of of Tom Hardy as Capone in his prime, not because I wanted a classic gangster movie, but so that I could balance that uh, with who he has become, and to have that other side of him visible. Um, and the, in terms of the slurring of his word, I mean, I've. I've never deliberately watched an English language movie or TV show with subtitles on. I find that my eyes are drawn towards subtitles and when I really don't need to read them. However, if ever there was a movie where I came pretty close, this would be it. As there are many scenes where, like you say, Hardy's gone so deep, it is really difficult to understand what Capone is saying. You know, given his condition, his voice is broken, his voice is croaky. Added to which, he's still got that beautiful New York accent going on, and on top of that, he's got a freaking cigar in his mouth the whole damn time. So, you know, it's it's like, and then when he's not got the cigar, they replace it with his carrot in his mouth, which adds up to a voice that is very difficult to understand. But I've, I have found that really good. I found that's what I've got. I feel like if you take Tom Hardy out of the movie and replace him with someone less capable, I don't know what you're getting out of this one. Yeah, look, I agree. I think Tom Hardy is a hundred percent the draw card here. Um, beyond that, it's it's I don't know. I, I, not that this needed to be two parts or needed to be longer, but I, I think you're right. Like actually, the problem with this is I kind of had nothing to build kind of any empathy around. Like I, you know, I I didn't get to see him in uh, Tom Hardy as Al Capone in his prime. And so seeing him at his worst didn't really mean anything to me. Like, right. you know, apart from the fact that obviously it's, you know, you don't you don't wish that type of condition upon anyone. Um, but in this context, it was just, again, like, what what are, 
what are we trying to tell here? And mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's it's such a missed opportunity because I think, you know, Tom Hardy is he's a, he's a big dog, right? And he could have, I think, with the right story to tell, that this could have been really good. Um, I just don't know whether the whole hour and a half had to be dedicated to to the demise and just mm-hmm. kind of kind of just leaving a bunch of unanswered questions as well. Um, and I also kind of had just little context about obviously the people that were around um, Alfonso were his, his wider family, but it, they didn't really mean anything to me. They, they could have been anyone. Um, th- yeah. I don't know. I, I, this is a pass for me. Yeah, no, it is. I, I like, I, there's a, some things I learned there. Like you just said, uh, you know, Fonzo, no one calls him Al. That's not allowed. It's Fonzo. I thought that was quite interesting. Uh, one of the things I thought the director did well, but at the same time, it kind of added to the, the weakness of the story a little was at no point was I aware if I was watching what was actually happening or if it was what Capone was uh, imagining was happening. Um, and sometimes those scenes would go on for quite some time and then you'd come all the way back to where you were and you'd realize, Oh, none of that was, was real. And so that was, that was quite, uh, quite interesting. And one of the scenes that stuck with me will, will probably be my last thing in memory of this movie other than, you know, watching him crap his pants when he's being interviewed by the FBI, which was pretty horrific. But it was it was when Capone, had, you know, he's really lost it and he's he's found that Tommy gun that's made of like pure gold and he's manically waddling around through his garden in his dressing gown, unable to walk properly because he's got that, um, like that huge nappy on that he has to wear. He's got a carrot in his mouth that he still thinks is a cigar and he's firing his gun at everyone and anyone in a state of delirium. That was, that was pretty, pretty crazy. But um, I, I think, uh, I think a lot of people probably like you sort of touched on Dan saw the title Capone immediately started thinking, you know, gangster movies saw that it was Tom Hardy and got visions of untouchables and good fellas. And that's not what this movie is about at all. But I didn't come into that thinking that, and yet, like you, I just needed more from the story than just the the Tom Hardy performance, right? Yeah, look, and I'm the same. Like I, I knew it wasn't going to be those things either, but I still probably expected a little bit more. And I thought, you know, there's probably enough um, components here with the different cast that it would probably stack up to something okay. Um, but yeah, no, it just it just didn't it didn't tick enough of the boxes for me. And I think you know we often talk about particularly in our peak performances, movies that we'd love to watch again. And like this is one that I would doesn't really fit that boat for me. And I think, you know, looking at uh, Josh Trank, who is the director and the writer, you know, so the other movies under his belt, are, uh, The Kill Point, uh, Chronicle, which was actually a really good movie, and then Fantastic Four. And so um, interesting mix of movies there. Um Mm. unfortunate i think unfortunate but you know what they can all be blockbusters paul correct and hey we've had a really good run of movie of the week where we've been saying i loved it i loved it i loved it so i think it's good once in a while to have a bit of balance right definitely eh? definitely and i think you know not not everything you watch can be a um a five-star review so um look you know if we don't like it we're going to tell you so correct i'll tell you what is five-star review from me dan and that is every week listening to you on the news desk what have you got this week <laughs> that, wow. i love that segue paul that is amazing all right so um what have i got there's a few things going on actually um in this week's um news bag so unfortunately it looks like um 
mailbag, newsbag, they're all bags, Paul. Um, <coughs> uh, Gina Carino, um, who was uh, Cara Dune in, um, in The Mandalorian, has been, I guess, uh, let go or won't be having her, her contract renewed for season three of The Mandalorian, which, um, you know, I, I don't really know a lot about what happened there, so I won't really comment on um on on that story but one thing which i did think was interesting and this might be of interest to you paul is um hasbro isn't going to be making any more cara dune action figures so if you were looking for uh, cara dune based on the mandalorian you might want to snap that up because any um that have been out will be the early ones mm. blacklisted taken off the list yeah i saw that it's it is what it is and putting aside whatever happened from the point of view of a story and as a character, that is a shame because her character had uh, been built up to to play a part. I think, but possibly in the in the Rangers uh, series potentially, but certainly um, now that story will will come to an end unless they recast her. I can't imagine that, but who knows? I, see, I think this is probably a case of they should recast because I think. Um, the character of Cara Dune still is a is a good character, right? Mm. And I think it actually provides a another lens to the Mandalorian. It provides another uh, story arc into Drop Troopers. You know, there's um, other other shows that she that that character could feature on. And so, not to mention, it's a different type of female character for Star Wars, right? And you know, you hear people talk about not not being just another classic princess. Like this is a this is a, a sort of a hard-hitting grunt character who's sort of a, an action hero. And I think um, yeah, I'd be keen to see a recast. That would be my vote anyway. Interesting. Uh, you make a strong argument when I hear you put it like that. I think you're right. Speaking of the Mandalorian and in other news, uh, we've also got some, not Mandalorian news, but casting news. So The Last of Us, uh, which is a a PlayStation video game has been turned into an HBO TV show. And Pedro Pascal, who plays the Mandalorian, has been cast as one of the main actors, Joel, which is pretty exciting. Um, And he has been cast alongside Bella Ramsey, who you may remember um, from Game of Thrones, who is going to play Ellie, which is pretty exciting. Mm. I do not know who these people are, so I'll, (laughs) I'll pretend I know what's going on here. This will be a TV show, I think, right up your alley, Paul. Okay. We're, we're basically talking about uh, uh, z- I used to with zombie lately, an apocalypse type situation where basically uh, people have, you know, basically been affected by a disease. It makes them kind of like zom- zombie-ish, mm-hmm. and um, Ali and Joel are kind of making their way across the country to to get to a certain destination, and I think it's going to have some great, like almost kind of like Walking Dead type components to it. But I think, you know, and there's going to be a whole bunch of fascinating, you know, we always talk about Walking Dead. It's not just about the zombies. It's also about a lot of the human interactions. And I think The Last of Us is going to have all of those components to it. So I think when this comes out, it's going to be one to watch. I think the the one thing that it does raise for me is how is this um, going to work on Pedro's schedule with the mandalorian season three maybe any other star wars shows he's going to appear on are we talking about any slowdowns does this work well with diaries i just need to know that we can have all the things not one of the things correct and let's prioritize those things that involve star wars 
because we already agreed that those people, along with Dave Filoni and John Favreau, should all be contracted for life. So let's prioritise that. P1. P1. P1 priority. Okay, what else have I got? So um, Bridgerton Season 2, which I know you're a big fan of Bridgerton Season 1. So um, one of the stars out of Sex Education, uh, Simone Ashley, is going to lead um, – play a lead role in Bridgerton season two opposite uh, Jonathan Bailey. So mm. I'm a big fan of sex education. You're a big fan of Bridgerton. I think, you know, this is going to be a, a great combination of things to come. Nice. Very exciting. Yeah. I can't wait for that second season for sure. Um, fans of uh, Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow have uh, been working on a, a petition to bring him back as Captain Jack Sparrow, and they've almost reached their goal of 500,000 signatures. So that's a, a pretty monster effort. Um, you never know where these petitions go. I'm not sure whether studios take any sort of heed of, of, of what the people want, but nevertheless, I think, you know, half a million people saying they'd love to see Johnny Depp back as Captain Jack Sparrow is, is, is pretty awesome. Um, and look, Again, I don't know enough about the wider situation, but I think I'd be keen to see more Johnny Depp as Captain Jack. You know, he's a, he's a great character, particularly when I sort of think of the very first Pirates movie. That was when, you know, my favourite version of Jack. I think. Yeah, we um, we've we've not watched them for a while, but they are one of those movie franchises where, for me, they all seem to wind up feeling like one huge long movie, and I can't separate out in my mind which thing is from which. But one thing that always stands out is 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 Captain Jack Sparrow just a, a real unique take on a, on the way a character should be portrayed as a pirate? It was, I look, I'm the same. I don't know what's happened in, in other, you know, what's been going on, but yeah, I would probably watch another one of his movies. I have to be honest. And a couple more things. So, um, the writer, director of the movie Parasite, uh, Boong Joon-ho, has um, basically confirmed that he is working on uh, two sequels, uh, whether they're direct sequels or in the same universe, I'm not too sure yet, but he's working on two of them, and he's just finished the, the script for the first one. And what we do know about it is one of those movies is going to be in Korean and one of those movies is going to be in English. Um, and so, look, I think Parasite is one of my top movies of 2019 so i for one can't wait to see more of um of this of this type of genre in this work so that should be a good time it's been on my list for a while dan uh, parasite and i still haven't watched it i feel like it's maybe i'm gonna have to put it forward as a movie of the week or something because i need to watch that it, if you do it I'll, I'll be all over it because i would love to rewatch it and then my final bit of news is Netflix has just dropped a trailer for a new uh, documentary on Notorious B.I.G. You know, you know, I'm Paul, Biggie Smalls. So new documentary coming out, looks like it's coming out on the 1st of March. And this is a bit of a, a, a backstory into his journey, um, obviously talking to his family and friends and uh, kind of talking about his, his, his upbringing, what kind of led him to be the man he become and I guess his unfortunate demise but this looks like one of those really interesting documentaries and I was checking out the trailer um, last night and it's, it's it's looking solid so this will definitely be on my watch list when it comes out awesome. and that Paul is me I've got a couple of things I can add into that so on the subject of uh, of Bridgerton uh, so the the actor um 
how do you pronounce you'd think i'd have this ready to go right in terms of pronunciation i, I can't pronounce it uh Roger jean page uh who was the lead he has uh, joined the cast of the dungeons and dragons film so i know you're a big fan of, of dungeons and dragons so he's a great actor i think uh i would watch him again so he's going to be uh, a lead in that uh we had the the trailer and announcement of what appears to be just under four hours long uh zack snyder's justice league cut came out this week um We've been wondering for a while how we're going to watch that movie, and Neon announced this week that they will have the rights to to that here in New Zealand. So that'll be great for us to be able to watch the the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League because so many people were disappointed by the the first version, right? I freaking just on a on a complete side note, I absolutely love that Neon has gone to bat to get this for New Zealand because I often feel like we're kind of forgotten on that global market of how is New Zealand going to watch this and, and you know we'll we'll get it eventually, but I I just like the fact that uh, Neon's you know trying trying to bring it to the the viewers in New Zealand. I think that's pretty awesome. It's great because yeah, I was wondering where it was going to come because we've got the big hitters here. You know, we've got Netflix and we've got Amazon Prime, uh, but. Uh, it's New Zealand's own that's brought it home for us, which is is fantastic. So that's great. I'll I'll tell you, Paul. Um, you know, talking about rewatching Marvel movies, I feel like do I need to rewatch any movies before the Zack Snyder, you know, Justice League comes out? Because I feel like it's been so long since I've seen the, you know, the the Zack Snyder. Supermans, Batmans, etc. That I almost feel like I need a little bit of scene setting to set me up for those four hours. The answer to your question, Dan, is you watch all of them apart from Suicide Squad because we fell into that trap once and we'll never fall into it again. I've honestly, I feel like Man of Steel, uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, uh, Wonder Woman. I feel like the, there's not too, there's not too many to to lead into that. Uh, I'm very excited to see it because I was one of the six people in the world who actually liked Justice League as it was. So now I'm I'm open to seeing, you know, this happened before with Richard well, Donner's cut of Superman too. Everyone complained about you know the was it Richard was it Richard Lester who did the the cut uh, they took over and then fans you know said they wanted another version and they got the the original Richard Donner version and everyone loved that version. I imagine the same thing is going to happen here because I read somewhere this week that. Uh, hashtag release the Snyder Cut was the most tweeted hashtag for any movie that has never been made or, or released, I should say. So that was quite interesting. I think the other thing that's interesting, Paul, is I feel like if my memory serves me right, you and I are two of the few people in the world that also really appreciate uh, Batman versus Superman. Yes, yes. Um, so yes. Look, I think, um, yeah, that's yes. right. That's right. We, you know, we, we bonded over that. So, I it'll be interesting to go back. I'm I'm really intrigued to see how different this is going to be. Like I didn't have a bad time watching Justice League. Um, I just remember at the time it came out. I I just really vividly remember the the bright colourfulness of the Marvel movies mm. versus the the dark and moodiness of DC. Um, and I wonder whether you know kind of times have changed enough now that um it, it will be a good watch but i think you know maybe maybe you're right i think maybe these are at least three movies i need to watch in preparation and what's interesting is that because uh, i've been reading a lot about it because i do love this whole this this whole universe uh jared leto's joker he will become the first person to ever play the joker twice 
other than um, Cesar Romero in the in the original sixty series, but any other Joker actors, any other you know been in one movie, he's the first person uh, to have have two two movies with his character in it. So that's quite interesting as well. Um, now something that may trigger you a little, Dan, Lovecraft Country not being renewed for a second season after a lot of people being massive fans. Now, this isn't a direct, it's been cancelled. They HBO just simply have refused to comment on whether they'll be renewing season two. So based on what I've heard, based on what I've read, based on what you've said, I feel like season two must surely go ahead. But there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of different blogs and things going on. People are worried that season two isn't going to come. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I, I did see this article as well, and I think what I took from it, and I think it makes a lot of sense, is um, the, the first season of Lovecraft Country is, is heavily based on a book, and so they were able to sort of really, they had a lot of material to work from, whereas I think to sort of go into a second season of this, they're really going to have to probably go in a, a slightly different direction or you know, even time period. I would say, though, you know, to anyone out there and you haven't seen Lovecraft Country, you should still watch it because even in as a standalone one season, fantastic watch. Mm. My final thing here, uh, the so the two of our favourite movies, the 1989 Batman and the original 1978 Superman, both of those movies uh, are going to have comics uh, made around them called Batman 89 and Superman 78, uh, which will pick up the story where those movies left off quite literally from from those uh, those two those two movies. So I think uh, I know you're a much bigger comic book fan than I am, Dan. Uh, so I figured that would be something that would be a, of of interest to you. But those two movies for me are, are two of the very very best. So I would be really keen to to get amongst those those comics as well. That's awesome. I saw some artwork of, um, you know, the, the Batman font, but they've added on 89 at the end, and the same with Superman, um, Batman 78, and they're, and they're all in the same font as those originally came out, and it got me excited even looking at them. Um, that's awesome. I'm intrigued to see where they go. I'm sure once they come out, we'll be talking about them here on the pod. Mm. That's all I've got. You've got me really thinking, though, Dan. I've been, I think The more I think about it, the more I think you're absolutely right. I think recasting Cara Dune makes a lot of sense that character does deserve to continue and there is a lot of story act that was built around her but I do start thinking Gina Carano you know she was a big unit right she's real real muscular and that's, they need to cast someone that plays that role and I imagine it's going to be an interesting casting decision it would be interesting to keep an eye on that news I think as, as time goes on yeah I think it will be really interesting uh, look I think I it's tough, isn't it? Because I think, you know, without getting really political about these things, you know, that we really are in the age where for anyone to be in any sort of popular mainstream content, they just have to be so squeaky clean, um, both politically, previous sort of social content. And I, it, it would be really fascinating to see what level of scrutiny, you know, a company like, you know, Disney does, you know, when they're looking at who's going to be their, their next hero. I imagine it's through the roof. Like they've probably got people combing so much content because, you know, they don't, they don't want this type of press. This, this doesn't align with their, their brand at all. But I, I really do think, you know, as, as sad um, as it is that it's played out this way, 
um, I, I do think they could still make hay while the sun shines and actually bring someone else into that role and give someone else a, a shot to bring Karajun to life. Well done. Shall we head over to our mailbag this week and see what we've got? Uh, so first of all, let's let's get right into it. Something that I've said on the podcast has been questioned as whether or not it's 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 a hundred percent accurate. And Dan, I need to ask you a question. So, do you think that Star Trek Lower Decks is canon? Is it is it canon? You know, as in Kirk and Picard and all the movies and the fifty years of Star Trek history that's been built up, or is it just is it a comedy spinoff? And what's happening in that show over there isn't you know isn't happening isn't part of the real Trek universe and story. What's what's your your feeling on that? My gut feel is that it should be canon. And I think, you know, like it's it's all stories within the the wider the wider universe. Sure it's, it might be a little bit more lighthearted. Yes, there might be some comedy elements to it, but you know, there's you know, if they're gonna bring in other canon elements to their show, then of course it makes it canon. You're not in your head. Yeah, you're wrong. You're angry. We've I've had this I've had this challenge uh standing it as non-canon. So we've had um at White Star Prime on Twitter claim that it's canon and it's the fact that it's canon is what makes it funny for him. So, so I'm really keen as part of the mailbag here, just to hear what other people uh, think. So we've started a poll. It's our first ever poll uh, on Twitter. Um, if you go to our, our profile at half measures pod, it's pinned to our, um, our profile. So it's right at the top. You can't miss it. And it's basically asking you, what do you think? So you, you get to vote if you think it's canon or not, or if you don't care, or if you don't know. And that will be there till Tuesday, the 23rd of February. So this time next week, Dan, we'll, we'll check in. And the people, the people's vote will, you know, we're not going to stop counting the votes unless it doesn't go my way. Just to be clear though, Paul, so your made-up um, space show cannot Jeez. be canon with another part of the made-up space show. It's- is that what you're telling me? This this is a comedy. This 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 is this is a parody. This is like uh, Star, Star Wars detours, which never got published. But if it had, are you telling me that people would have thought that that detours that Seth Green comedy show was actually part of the the canon universe? This is like uh, uh, Dimensions in Time, uh, which was a, a Doctor Who special with John Pertwee, Colin Baker, Peter Davison, uh, that was crossover with EastEnders. Back in 1990s, uh, that wasn't canon. It's like uh, I'm, I'm running out of things to compare this to. Uh, are you wanting uh, a Star Wars Legends in this sort of context? So this is Star Trek Legends for, for lack of a better term. Is that what you're after? Not even Legends because Legends implies that it once was. It's it's just a comedy. It's, it's off there to the side. It's its own thing. It's like Family Guys when they did Blue Harvest. Uh, and something something dark side parodies of, of star wars it, that's how i'm viewing this this show i love it but it's not real there's no way anyway don't don't let we'll be here all day dan let's let the people vote on this uh on our twitter page on the poll um what else have i got here um so uh oh yeah so last week we talked about challenger the final flight and our our review for that Actually, got comments from both of the the, the co-creators of that show, which was just great. So, Glenn Zipper and, and Stephen Lecker on our Instagram page, uh, they both thanked us for reviewing it, and Glenn Zipper also shared uh, the review on Twitter as well. So that was that was great. Um, 
Gabrielle Walsh, who voices the lead character, Emily, on the animated show uh, Close Enough, which I did a, a season one review of last week. She liked our review post on Instagram, which was pretty cool. Um, our peak performance for Ed Norton was very much a a fight club fan zone, to be honest. So like yourself, Dan, this is the most we've ever had anyone agree. We had Michael, Ryan, Jason, and Sarah all go with with Fight Club. And we also had Paddy from Time Traveling Team Podcast gave us his 3-2-1, Primal Fear, Malcolm X, and Fight Club as number one, two, plus an honorable mention for his guest appearance in Modern Family. So his 3-2-1 was very close to yours. Um, so yeah, Fight Club came out on top there. We've also had listens in the last week, Dan, from people in Colombia and the Czech Republic becoming our 43rd and 44th countries, respectively, to listen to the podcast. Six more to go before we get to 50. That's the then. Amazing, Paul. Amazing stuff. Always great to hear from the people. And we love it even more when the actual the writers, the producers, the directors, the whoever's involved in the shows uh, gets in touch as well. So, yeah, make, make sure you do if you've got, you know, any feedback for us. Like if you think that Lower Decks is canon, just flick us a message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, speaking of peak performances, it must be time for this week's peak performance. It is indeed. So very much like our movie of the week each week, Dan and I take it in turns to choose an actor, actress, producer, director, someone from the world of TV and movies. And this week, uh, it was my choice. And I, no, sorry, this week it was your choice, Dan. And you put to me the actor, Liam Neeson. What have you got for me? Yeah. So I think, you know, we had such a great run talking about Edward Norton uh, when we had the the idea last week as well for Liam Neeson, it just seemed too good of an opportunity to pass up. So, look, Liam Neeson, he's been in so, so many great movies. He's, I think he's a a fantastic action hero. Um, he, he does drama just as well. In fact, you know, sometimes when, when it comes to a peak performance, I can just be like, three, two, one, it'll take me, you know, minutes to decide mm. with Liam this I've really had to think about you know think about my options here and I've, I've actually had to make some cuts where I don't know whether I'm making the right decision but you know what hopefully if I don't pick it up you'll pick it up or someone will write in and pick up some of the, the ones that I'm missing so uh, number three for me is going to be the 2008 movie Taken. So this is what I think of as the classic Liam Neeson action hero. And so this is where he plays the retired CIA agent um, who travels across Europe um, and relies on his old skills to save his estranged daughter who's been kidnapped uh, while on a trip to Paris. And, you know, this movie, you know, it hasn't probably really aged that well. And I think the genre of Taken is a little bit fatigued and tired. But when this movie first came out, this was awesome, and it was like, it was so cool just seeing this like this badass dad, you know, basically travel across the across the world to go and save his daughter, and and go you know real old school on it. It was it was epic. Number two for me, I'm actually going to go with 2005 Batman Begins. So this is where um, Liam Neeson plays Ra's al Ghul, and again, such a 
such a great role. And I think, you know, already uh, you've got Christian Bale, you've got Michael Caine, you've got got the star-studded cast, and you've also got Liam Neeson as this great kind of villain, anti-hero type character, the guy who ultimately trains Batman. And, uh, again, just fantastic. Absolutely loved him in that. And for number one, I can't go past it, Paul. It's from 1999, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. Qui-Gon Jinn is a freaking legend. When I think about what my favourite Jedis are, Qui-Gon Jinn is up so highly in that list. And I regularly get sad that Qui-Gon Jinn didn't, didn't survive to sort of, you know, See at least see out sort of you know the the trilogy. I just think he's such a great Jedi, and I would have loved to see more about him. I'd love to. I just I want to know more about this character, and I know that we get some of this through comics and books and things like that. But I I just think I think he's awesome. I think that he he just really sort of I think delivered on being a a, a Jedi in this universe. He's been memorable, and you know like we're talking a movie that's you know over 20 years old and I'm still kind of raving about his his role uh, it's, it's top tier so um taken Batman Begins and The Phantom Menace for me nice choices Dan uh everything you said brilliant actor another wonderful voice we keep talking about doing the top 10 voices podcast Dan I'm gonna have to hold you to it sooner or later because He's another one that just goes straight in there. What I find interesting about him, because I also had to go through his catalog and, and make some hard choices, whereas, as you said, sometimes you don't have to. What I find interesting is is that I only really became aware of him when he was already in his 40s, and that was with uh, with Chun's List. And he he just seems to get better with age, and he's really become a top lead actor through his 50s and 60s and in a couple of months his 70s would you believe um that said i did also discover via a rewatch that he was the main bad guy opposite clint eastwood in the dirty harry movie the deadpool which just goes to show how long he's actually been making movies if he was the bad guy in a dirty harry movie for goodness sake um but yeah my three two one and i have to say first off that cold pursuit that we reviewed last year came really close to making it. I love that movie and I thought he was good, but he wasn't top three good enough. So number three for me was the 2008 movie Taken, just like you, Dan. So we're in sync. Brian Mills, this this first movie, as you said, you know, just brought him to the fore as that, um, the action movie star. And, you know, like we talked about last week, you know, when we were talking about Run All, all Night, there's been a whole string of these movies and let's not forget the underrated eighteen movie. I could talk about that to the cows come home. But Taken is, is really good, and of course that phone monologue is just—it's just iconic. I think this is where it all sort of started when we were talking about you know you can't have Liam Neeson on the phone in any movie. Um, the other movies, the other two in the series were okay, but this is the one that really you know I remember, and that's, this is the one I would rewatch. So, so yeah, that's my number three. My number two is as the character Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, so, yeah, Look, the prequels aren't for everyone, but I knew I'd be in good company with you, Dan. And for me, as as an adult, this was a different Star Wars experience than watching the original trilogy as a, as a kid. And Qui-Gon 
you know, you talk about Jedi Masters and how highly you rate him as a Jedi. This is the first Jedi Master that we, the world, get to meet since since old Obi-Wan and Yoda from the original trilogy. So those are two huge characters to, to try and follow. And he just absolutely nails it, as you say. And there's something about the hair and the makeup and the, the look that somehow enables me to, to watch this and actually, air quotes, forget that it's Liam Neeson. There's something that he's just so different in this, and yet at the same time, he's still Liam. But yeah, absolutely fantastic. Number one for me, though, um, was actually the first one I saw him in, and it was uh, as Oscar Schindler in Schindler's List. And I guess there's a reason why it won so many awards. I may not have seen this as many times as I have The Phantom Menace. It's quite a it's quite a hard watch, but it's truly one of his most incredible performances. And this is a movie that I feel I should have watched more recently. I feel like it deserves a rewatch. It's 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 it is so powerful. It is so hard hitting. But he is absolutely sensational in it, and it's amazing, really, that that was the first time I ever sort of came across him. When you think about how much he's made before that, but it really set him on the road. And this, I mean, I've got to stop myself because there's so many other movies I want to talk about, but there's just, there's just so much quality in there. And I just, I just keep hoping he keeps making movies like he is because I, every time he seems to make a, a movie, like a, an action hero movie, he's like, this is the last one I'm doing. You know, it's like he, he's finished, but he keeps coming back and we just can't get enough. Three, two, one, Taken, Star Wars, Phantom Menace and Shinder's List great choices Paul I, I really struggled not including Schindler's List the other movie that I struggled to include on my list was Rob Roy so mm. I don't know if you remember this movie it was a it kind of came out at about the same time as Braveheart um and it was it was watched a lot in our household as well for various reasons but um no look great great choices um that probably brings us to the end of a, another episode of the Half Missions Podcast, Paul. It does indeed. Thank you again for listening and thank you to uh, Roddenberry.com for sponsoring this week's episode. Also, a big shout out to our Patreon producers of the show, Trisha Brady and Samara King. We couldn't do this without you. If you too would like to become a Patreon, then... You can find all those details in the show notes below. Don't forget to go and vote on Paul's poll um, just to confirm that the show is canon. If we need to, we'll get in touch with roddenberry.com uh, to get this verified. Until next time, everyone. Adios.